I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. He has created an absolute Boys, we are here to rant. James, we have to do justice before we just slide right into the top four. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races of all time. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four. And you trot out a B team. What do they need? What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking World Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Tuesday, June 16th. And Patrick, it's Project Restart Eve. And I'm excited like a kid on Christmas Eve. I'm very excited. It is, it's been a long time coming. Uh, how, how long has it been since they actually played? It'll be, you know, about, about a hundred. Right? Yeah. I, someone, I, I read somewhere a hundred days, which just feels like it was like planned in such a well, way. That's a, that's a different podcast, James. <laughs> oh, conspiracy pod. Yeah. yeah. See, check out our spinoff pod. Well, yeah. Patrick, I said, um, my excitement levels have reached Christmas Eve esque levels being that it's the day before. Uh, Aston Villa and Man City get the ball rolling. And in such a way, I, I wrote a little poem that I'd love for you to hear. Wow. I'd love to. Yeah. So uh, listen to this. It was the night before restart and all through the hoose. Not a manager was stirring, not even Steve Bruce. The monitors were hung for VAR with care in hopes that Mike Dean would soon grow hair. De Bruyne was nestled all snug in his bed while visions of sugar, sugar plums danced in his head. And Wenger in his jacket... And Pep in his cap had just settled their hair for a long winter's nap. What do you think? Was that was that the end of it? Well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't want to do the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I was just kind of getting like lulled to sleep. That was just that was beautiful. <laughs> the podcast does. I mean, on on our good days, the podcast tends to do that. So this yeah, is we've just... been t- we've been told we're, we're we're great at putting putting children to bed. <laughs> Nurseries hit us up. <laughs> Next big but sponsor. Yeah, in, uh, I like that. Yeah, I'm glad. Show our softer well, side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're, um, we're really uh, bleeding artists at heart. 100%. Well, in true FA and Premier League fashion, we are just hurtling towards this restart, and it, it feels like there's no turning back. Like, it's happening. It's happening tomorrow, for better or worse. Um, a Norwich player just tested positive for coronavirus, but they're like, fuck it! Just go, go stay at home for two weeks. The games are going on. We're doing this. And, uh, yeah, I feel like people started raising questions like, oh, but didn't Norwich just play Spurs and they're playing on Friday? And they're like, doesn't matter. He's quarantining. We're doing this. So yeah, here like we once go. You, once you open it up, you know, even if everybody, you know, we're, James, you and I are going on a trip with eight people and we're thinking there's no possible way uh, we're going to well, be able to contain yeah, this thing. I haven't. Eight, you know, I haven't really, you know, broken the news about that. Oh, oh all right. Well, well, hey, no, continue. I'll cut it out. Don't worry. James, this, <laughs> that will be gone in post. Don't you worry your pretty little head. Yeah, but somebody's, yeah, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to uh, hopefully not spread and take over the whole league. But like if somebody gets it, you know, they're going to, they're going to spread it unless mm-hmm. everything we've been told about this thing is, is a yeah. lie. That, the other thing for the other podcast. Oh, right, right. The other podcast. Um, the other thing I find funny about that is they haven't disclosed which Norwich player it is. So I'm just curious to, te- to see the team sheet and just kind of do a little process of elimination. I assume it's Tim Pruel. <laughs> what basis? Um, 
just like line them up like most likely to do something a little bit suspect when everyone's supposed to be following the rules. I think Tim Krul's toward the top of that list. That's fair. Yeah, you put him with uh, Lee Dixon in not really comprehending the, uh, the, the societal atmosphere around him. Yeah, there's very little that he comprehends other than how <laughs> to stop a penalty kick. And if that's, if that's up for discussion, he's your man. But outside of that, yeah. That's pretty much it. In a, in, a, in a pretty tight box there. Well, um, last week we, we raised a lot of questions that we wanted answered, and I think it's time we put our journalistic integrity to the test because you and I, we did a little bit of research as far as what's, what's actually happening with Project Restart. And uh, like, like we mentioned with the players testing positive, they are playing it a little fast and loose. We are upon the eve of games kicking off, but there are some things that came to light, and maybe it's, it'll be useful for the listeners if we just rattle through a few of those things. I think it would. Yeah, I agree. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk general safety. So mm. the, the players and coaching staff, they're not going to be wearing masks like they did in the, uh, in the Bundesliga when they come into stadiums, when they're sitting on the bench. And uh, when they're on the field, players are going to be encouraged not to spit or clear their noses and don't break social distancing during goal celebrations. And then in true... Uh, fuck it, we'll do it live fashion. There's no punishment for for doing those things. They're just they're just saying, please don't do it. Just just so they can keep the optics up. It's optics. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw an image today of uh, Sergio Ramos straight up hugging Eden Hazard. He didn't give a shit. You know, they're back and <laughs> they're yeah, back. I mean, what's gonna line. happen? There are certain it, things you can't take away from football. It's like. The, the irony of no handshakes, which is another thing. They aren't going to do the handshakes off the kickoff. And then playing a full contact sport. It's like, what are we trying to get across here? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bit of a charade. But also, you know, I think if you have a, have a chance to minimize the risk, why not do it? And obviously understand that you can't do that while playing a game of football. So let's do it elsewhere. You know, I can at least get behind the logic, but, uh, or like why they're doing it. But yeah, it's not control what too you much. can control. Yeah, if somebody's got coronavirus, it's yeah, yeah it's getting to you know twenty one <laughs> other players. <laughs> Jesus, right? I mean, right? Like they're gonna mix it up. One no corner si- kick is all we need. I'm no scientist. Yeah, one uh, one Harry Maguire corner kick where he's just using uh, Pereira as a human shield. It's a dumb yeah, game. if you yeah, if you're if, if you're experiencing symptoms, please stand at least six feet away from the penalty box when there's a set piece. <laughs> I think that that's the under the table memo these players are getting. I think 2020 is going to charge us into a new world of tactics, social distancing Dude, formation. We'll get to we'll get to total football later, but yeah, that's I think we're on the precipice of something special. Yeah, Arsenal's been social distancing their their front and their back lines for several years now. <laughs> Innovators. <laughs> yeah, we always ahead of the curve. Uh missed call from memory. Oh, uh no. well, you mentioned uh you mentioned Hazard a little earlier. This one's specifically for him. There aren't gonna be any ball boys or ball girls in, in the renewed Premier League, so he's gonna have to take his frustration out on other people. Um I was it, I'm actually team hazard for that incident, but the uh, having no ball boys and ball, ball girls is a, uh, a great idea. I don't do you think, think we should have them to begin with. Do you think it's going to be like a chase down your own ball system? Like if you launch one, it's like the striker goes and gets the ball. Like you think 
you know, we're coming back. United is playing Spurs. Harry Maguire is punting it into the upper deck. And then Harry Kane. Actually, no, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer should go up and get to the stands, get the ball, come back. <laughs> I mean, it's a routine he's comfortable with. I don't think Dyer – yeah, I think he's um, I think he's good. He didn't get suspended. Deli Alley got suspended for a very unsavory uh, social media post before Corona got, like, too serious. Oh, I didn't even know he got suspended. Yeah, so he's going to miss the United game. So he was suspended like four months ago, and then no one, or did he just get suspended? No, so the incident happened um, before lockdown, and then like people reminded the FA of this incident, and they're like, oh yeah, we got to do something about it, and then they just suspended him now. Oh, okay. It was very late adjudication. I'll have to uh, read up on that, but... um... At the outset, yeah. I can't be aligning myself with Deli Alley. So yeah, I'm gonna no, let's just here. let's just say it's something you need that like notepad format apology that you post to your social media for. Ooh, okay. So he he done messed up. All right, I'll yeah. I'll, I'll I'll dig into yeah, that yeah, offline. Yeah, okay, yeah, be, yeah, yeah, we'll take it offline. Uh, let's talk about press conferences. One of our favorite fixtures of uh, a Mourinho Premier League duo. Uh, press conferences post match will be held out on the field. And then pre-match conferences are actually going to happen over Zoom, the hero of coronavirus, for the likely 25 members of media to be in attendance. And I want you to walk me through what a Mourinho Zoom press conference will look like. Does he have the ability to mute everyone? That's exactly where my head's at. <laughs> yeah. I think if, if, if you let him be in charge of it, oh man, he's shutting people down. He's kicking people out. Oh, what's that, Manchester Evening News? You asked about my record against... Uh... <laughs> against Pep? Oh, oh! I can't hear you. That's crazy. It's so 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 crazy. It's like and there's no that, sound coming from you. Instead of the walk, instead of the walk away, the dramatic walk off, you just get the like dramatic hang up. Yeah, I'm actually, um, I'm not a big press conference guy to begin with. Um, I like the highlights from press conferences when when things get spicy, but you know, I just I just don't get much from them. Uh, and I can't imagine the Zoom's going to be any better. I think the Zoom's going to be a shit show. I think I'll watch it for the entertainment. Do you think someone's going to come on with a zany background? You know how people can do oh, those? for sure. For sure. Everyone's gonna I think you were, ro- their... you were rocking Tiger King for a while. Yeah, well, I didn't know how to change it once I got it up. <laughs> once it was topical. It really it crept into the it. work life. Yeah, and it's still up there. I don't know what to do with it. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah. No, I mean... You're going to have to get used to press conferences when you're twitching your Arsenal career mode. Oh, I usually just skip those after my late concession of goals to equalize. <laughs> there will be no discussion. Yeah, I only talk um, to the press when I win. Yeah. Well, let's rattle off a few other things here. Yeah. Um, they were talking, when you know, hence the hybrid model we brought up last week. They were talking about using neutral stadiums. I don't know if this is a firm decision, but it looks like they're leaning towards traditional home stadiums again. Um, it looks like the 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 uh, Merseyside Derby, the first game back for Liverpool and Everton, is going to be at Goodison Park. Um, kind of a sad state of affairs. It looks like United against Sheffield later in the month is actually going to be played at Old Trafford. They were worried the scene was going to be too uh, raucous for, uh, for competitors close together in the table. So they're going to let that be played at Old Trafford. Um, I haven't heard too much about neutral venues being in play. Um, so that's an interesting one. Substitutions, five subs instead of three players, mitigating uh, as many injuries as they can. This is the most lit one. This is the one that actually matters. All the other mm-hmm. stuff, 
I mean, maybe home field. Like home field would be interesting. But like, uh, like what? Some to what extent does home field matter if there's no fans? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I think that you know, is is Liverpool's shield of armor a little weaker without the fans at Anfield? I think absolutely. I mean, it yeah. still would favor them yeah. against just about just anybody. A, but just a pitch without the without the fans at Anfield. You know, that's a. I mean, what a difference that will make for, like, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of the season, it's not going to make a big difference, but. You know, if we if it was a closer title race, that would have been a very, very interesting thing. And then I don't know whose other grounds are particularly strong or weak, but you know, it, it's a it's an interesting equalizer. Xhaka um, yeah. should feel fine. He should be doing great. Um, oh yeah, I mean, just a clean bill of health and clean yeah. slate. I'll, I'd be willing to put it to the fans or interested to put it to the fans whether they think home field without fans makes a positive difference or is an edge. Because I don't, I don't think it's an edge. I think it's a it's a slight edge, just from a comfort standpoint. Yeah, maybe the traveling. It, yeah, maybe the traveling, maybe the locker room. But you know, once you get out of the pitch, I don't know if it's you know if both teams are up for it. You know, fans fans can swing games against you know weak minded clubs. Well, um, I mean, yeah, you know, you, you see it happen routinely where you know just a, a a chance goes begging, and then all of a sudden the fan gets behind the team, and then the whole moment right. will start to shift. So right, and uh, and maybe be, as you mentioned, and maybe as you mentioned, Arsenal will try to make the Emirates feel a bit more away, like for the likes of Ozil and Jaka, just to make them feel comfortable. Well, no, they're both Arsenal's pretty notoriously bad away from home. So, <laughs> um, you know, remarkably, they were they were good at home. So we'll see if that, that takes them, you know, one step back. Uh, but also they, they seem to be easily flustered uh, away from home. So maybe not having fans at some of these away grounds really helps out right. Arsenal in that respect. You know, they, each team will have a varying uh, degree of importance here. Like, you know, I, I don't know how much value like Villa, Villa gets or West Ham gets out of playing at home, for sure. instance. Sure. Uh, Villa probably. That, Villa, Villa, Villa is would. Pretty yeah. electric. Yeah. Um, West Ham was... was one I want to take a GF. At. Yeah, the latter. Uh, we'll keep that one on record. Uh, but talk to me about the subs rule. We digress yeah. from that. So you can only do it at three times, right? So you can't have five different substitutions. You can have five people come in at three different times. Oh, that's a good ad. That makes yeah. sense. I didn't have that. Yeah. So they don't. So basically, the the the, the Big goal facts. there is just eliminate. Time wasting. Like, imagine if you had all five subs left in a one nil game in the 85th minute. Oh, that's just taking us back to, back to the back pass age, which we'll get to. Right. Later. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm really, I'm really interested to see. Um, honestly, what I think this does, this big, this this impact, where this impact is the largest, is in the Champions League race. I think that you're going to look at clubs who, um, you know, clubs like Wolves are at a disadvantage against clubs like. United or, 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 you know, quite frankly, even Arsenal with, mm. with just like depth. And mm. I think depth really favors the bigger clubs. Right. Uh, you know, a club like City can effectively field two, two teams. teams that would avoid relegation. You know, and, 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 you know, for some of these smaller clubs who, you know, maybe they go to the bench and it's, it's a little shaky or, um, and they're going to need to go to the bench. You know, we're, I think Arsenal's playing. Right, it's not if, it's on when. two games rest to start out. You know, you're, you're, you're playing two, three times a week sometimes. And for, for, for the clubs that are still in the FA Cup, you know, that's even compounded. So it's going to be a big factor. I, I'm excited to see how it plays out because this is just, it's a, it's a, it's a strategy. It's a new tactic that's introduced mid-season. Like how often do you get that? 
Yeah, I, this is truly an unprecedented time where we start to experiment with things. And if we see positive benefits, who knows? Maybe this will stick around. Yeah, because you know, no one wants to see players it. get injured. And it seems to be happening an awful lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm th- just think about it from a, like, I mean, City is an easy example. But imagine, uh, you know, Sané is now fit. So imagine they just have, they pull off, uh, like, Bernardo Silva, Aguero, and Sterling, and just walk on Jesus, Sané, and Mares. Like, they could literally yeah. just do a, a hockey-style hockey line, line change shift. at the 60th minute, and your defense is screwed. All at the same time. Why the fuck right. not? Yeah, and then you've yeah. got two in the chamber. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you, they, and, and, you know, other clubs will have, you know, different things that they can do. Um, you know, a club like, uh, you know, United being able to put on like a whole bunch of pace toward the end of the game. You yeah. Know, something, you know, because they don't, they don't really make substitutions in their back line. Yeah. Uh, and I in wonder, their midfield, not that often either. Right. So like, where are these subs going to be deployed when you have stalwarts in the team? I was just about to say, I wonder if there's going to be any like keeper sub power moving going on. Where it's like, ooh, either like for presumed rest for a keeper, or like they're not performing well, you just hook them. Yeah, I got a, I kind of got a feeling like um, if like a club in a relegation battle, if they are like losing, if they're losing quick to like Liverpool, City, whatever, they might just pull all five of like their best players off early in the game and just mm-hmm. take the L, mm-hmm. rest them up because mm-hmm. that's gonna matter. Uh, so, I mean, this can go a number of different ways. Do you know if the bench was extended past seven? I believe, still just have seven I believe the bench stays the same. Okay. I mean, that's, at least that's, that's good because you still have like a, a team selection element. And that's not me remembering I read it somewhere. That's just gut. Mm. Well, which I think is me. a, that's a summary of Prem de la Prem in general. Not reporting, I'm, just gut. Love it. <laughs> uh, transfers. So yeah, hit me with this. two important things announced last Thursday. Um, the first of which is that players are technically allowed to play for three different clubs within the same season. Um, okay. So this will be in the case of a player who, let's say, moved in January. Uh, so is that a second club? His contract um, ran out. And will now have the ability to join a third club um, for the run-in, theoretically. But I, I find this one more interesting. Uh, the second regulation is that any club that operates their season in a dual year, so that's most leagues, you know, where you go from 2019 to 2020, um, you the transfer window is effectively opened before the end of the current season, which is what one of the questions we had um, last pod. So is it open July 1st? I don't know the exact date, but I think that's the case. Um, so I mean, I'm like William Saliba come in. I'm very like, interested to see. Yeah, I'm very interested like the, to see what uh, happens there. Yeah, the French league is closed. You know, the the Dutch mm-hmm. league is closed. Mm-hmm. Like, what about um, was it Ziyech, the guy from Ajax that's going to Chelsea? Yeah, Ziyech. Ziyech. Yeah. Ziyech. Yeah. Um, holy shit! I mean, that would change Chelsea's attack right be- <laughs> entirely in a you know uh, end of season campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the Bundesliga would be over too, so people could just roll right from that. Yeah, the Bundesliga's got like three, four games left in it. I I'm telling you, it's going to be the Wild West. Games. It's going to be like Mbappe sweepstakes, just to get you over the line. There's going to be some real bad transfers in here because it's not there. the The negotiating power is now shifted 
entirely to the incoming transfers if the club's desire is to get somebody in that can contribute this season. Oh, yeah. Panic so buy? they're going to be bent You haven't over seen a, a panic buy. <laughs> yeah. This is... I mean, also, too, like, how, how much are clubs will, at the bottom of the table willing to go all in? You know, if you're going to lose out on... I don't know what the what the cost of not being in the Premier League is. I imagine it's pretty steep. It's very so, steep. I mean, is somebody willing to go all in? Be like, here's here's twenty million on somebody, thinking that this is the difference between me staying up and not, and then that well, will make that up in the revenue. If like, you it, watched, um, yeah, if you if you watched Sunderland till I die, they did this exact thing. They slapped huge salaries on players like Jack Rodwell when they were in relegation battles on long term contracts in making that gamble that they would stay in the Premier League, and then you're down to the championship, and uh, you're still paying out these players on their contracts, and you're effectively fucked. And that's what, yeah. that's how you see teams go from the Premier League to, like, League One real fast, because their books right. are all kinds of messed up. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and that's I mean, I think well-run clubs that do that, you know, those clubs that you see... Um, I was kind of like Fulham the other year. The, the, the ping pong too. clubs. They, yeah. they, they, they get not only people on good contracts, but when they get you know relegated, those those people who showed well go on to the Premier League the, the next year, and then you know vice versa. When they get promoted, is when they bring people in. So yeah, you can mm-hmm. if you fuck it up, man. You I mean, there's 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 plenty of examples of that. Really, right? like Blackburn's another club that I think right. tumbled out of the Premier League pretty pretty fantastically as well. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, haven't made it back since. Yeah, so we'll see if anyone does that. I'd, I'd hate to see that, you know, the clubs at the bottom of the table, I genuinely enjoy them being in the Premier League. Like, I think that they're they're fun clubs to have around, um, all the clubs that I think are in the relegation battle. So I hope none of them go into spiraling despair. Um, <laughs> yeah. You gotta... Stoke, Stoke, I hope, keeps going on down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your, your hatred of Stoke is well documented. Yeah. Uh, so, let's yeah, talk stadium know. sounds, because this is something we had questions on last week. Uh, apparently, this is just specific to Sky Sports I read, so I don't know how it differs by broadcast package, but they're working with EA Sports and FIFA, big mistake, to create simulated chants and crowd noises for specific teams. That's going to be awful. Yeah, prepare to have like five patches between games. Burn! (laughs) FIFA burn. Big FIFA burn. Oops. Yeah, you're on notice, FIFA. Uh, and in La Liga, they're going a step further. They're also working with EA Sports. Um, and they're going to produce images which trick the eye. This is a quote. They trick the eye into thinking the stands are full of fans. Wow. They trick they trick the eye. I cannot yeah. wait. I've always been good at Where's Waldo and other riddles. So I am, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, who are they going to put in the stands? That's my wait, question. Wait, let me see if... Um... Okay, the Liga came back this weekend. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look up some, some of the highlights and see if I get tricked. Yeah, yeah, see what you can find there. Also, um, how much of it is a trick when you tell the people it's being played behind closed doors? I think the idea is that the images are going to be so amazing that against your brain's better judgment and knowledge, you're still going to get tricked. Wow, that's yeah. a good trick. Okay, I'm, it's okay. Like, I'm, uh, I'm here for it's, that. It's like your nan coming into the room while you're playing FIFA, and they're like, oh, what game is this? And it just goes on for a while that you have to explain that it's not a, a, a real match. It's FIFA. Like, I think that's going to be happening with a lot of households mm. across the UK and the world. The, um, the trailer for PS5 looked pretty insane. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, maybe we're all it's in a trick the real eye. Sorry, what? 
it's gonna trick the eye pretty soon. The yeah, video that's, games. that's what I that's what I meant too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> James, we have save it save it for the other we pod. Have two podcasts for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'll be a good running joke. Um, and then last but not least, uh, for our fantasy players, shout out the Prem Villa Prem Fantasy League. Um, we're entering. They're calling it Match Week Thirty Plus. Um. I guess is just their way of trying to distinguish the shit show of games that need to get played. Uh, we're coming back from match week 29 into 30 plus, And between now and Wednesday, people, you've got unlimited transfers to make uh, free of charge. So, wow. Yeah. It's a reset button. Yeah. It's a reset button. This one goes out to uh, a man by the name of Andy Samora, who's probably got a team full of uh, unavailable players for whatever reason. So get in there and shape up those teams for the running. Yep. All right, and then quick table watch before we get into Ask Me Anything. Um, hopefully this is a segment that grows with time. But uh, quick table watch and more so title watch. Um, I guess this is a.k.a. Give Liverpool Their Due segment because what time did to my brain, Patrick, was it made me believe that with football coming back, I could convince myself that Liverpool wasn't going to win the title. And I just Googled, like, is there any way that Liverpool's not going to win the title? And the fact of the matter is they're two wins away from winning the title with nine games left. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I think that's pretty much a done deal, but we can talk about when it's going to happen. Yeah, I think your best case for Liverpool not winning the title is um, five draws and four losses, mm. which I think is um, I, not mm. going to happen. They're mm. going to win the title quite handily. Um, I mean, yeah. I hope I hope it happens at Everton because that would have meant Arsenal beat City. Correct. Yeah, but that would be I, your best case scenario. Yeah, uh, something tells me City's going to do just fine against Arsenal, and then just fine. I mean, I guess City has a lot of games before they have to play Liverpool, and Liverpool only has two games, so City plays two more games. And Liverpool, and remember, if City drops points, that's effectively Liverpool gaining points. Right. Yeah, so I don't think Liverpool's going to make it to City. I don't know if they're going to win it on the couch or not, but they're they're going to win it before City. Yeah. Yeah, winning it on the couch, I, I think I would wish that upon Liverpool because it's never quite the same effect. I mean, they're already kind of, you know, not they've getting the... They've won it on the couch, yeah. They've already won it on the couch, and they're not going to lift the trophy in front of any fans. So... Sucks to suck. But uh, I think just for the banter, it would be great to have them win it um, at home to Palace, which I think I'm going to go ahead and say that's the most likely scenario. They're going to beat Liverpool, City's going to beat Arsenal, and then they'll beat Crystal Palace. So it's their two wins. And then City gets to give them the guard of honor at the empty hat, which is just going to be, that's going to be banter. That'll be great. Yeah, and City would have to lose... City would have to drop points to Arsenal or Burnley. And then they play Chelsea after um, Liverpool plays, what did you say, Villa, West Ham? Who was it? Uh, Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Yeah, I think Crystal Palace. I think it's going to happen there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's... How many times do you think Roy Hodgson has had the Premier League one on him? (laughs) Like instead of being dunked on, like how many just times just the perennial loser? Like how many times has he been posterized? Him? Yeah, yeah. Just honey. How many times on? has he witnessed another club winning the Premier League? Ooh. Uh, I'll do some I, research on that. I think it's but, fair to say this isn't the first. I mean, yeah, he's managed 
like 20 teams. He's father time. Yeah, holy hell. Yeah, it's also Wikipedia. Uh, credit, to, done. credit to you for uh, getting the name right. No Ray Hudson, Roy Hodgson mix up this week. Whew. Let's make that I clear. think I'm just going to say Roy Hodgson every time and just, you know, take my lumps when I'm wrong. <laughs> the Venn diagram of who is and who isn't Roy Hodgson. <laughs> In what I will say. The the results may shock you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into Ask Me Anything. Uh, we reached out to you guys on Instagram, took a poll of literally any questions you might want to ask us, Premier League, and as you'll find out here or otherwise. Um, hopefully this is a segment that grows with time, just like a loving tree that is cared for with water and attention. But we got one question. I'm going to pose it to you, Patrick, because it's from our friend Michelle Mabin. And she wants to know, what's the transfer buzz around Arsenal? Specifically, does it sound like Bellerin's leaving? It sounds like she doesn't want Bellerin to leave. Uh, the transfer buzz around Arsenal is pretty subdued relative to some of uh, Arsenal's counterparts in the league. I think that is because they've already spent half their budget on uh, installment payments for William Saliba and Nicolas Pepe for this summer window. Who was that second um, guy? Nicolas Pepe. Oh. Got it. Has he played yet? He is actually third in goal contributions for Arsenal this season. So yeah. suck on that. Um, it. Anyway, in any case, yeah, there's nothing. There's there's nothing too um, you know spectacular that is being pitched for Arsenal right now. I mean, but I I suspect Arsenal will make a big move regardless of where. Um, of where they finish this season. Uh, I think the leading candidate for that is Thomas Partey, who is the central midfielder from Atletico Madrid. Uh, seems to be a good fit. A lot of signs pointing to that being a real possibility. But I think the bigger question around Arsenal, not is Bellerin leaving, uh, is Aubameyang leaving. And recent quotes uh, would, would suggest that it's either a shitload of money or Champions League or both that are going to keep Mr. Aubameyang mm. in North London. Um, but, you know, I if I'm talking to Pierre, I'm talking about legacy. I'm talking about do you want to be, re- you know, remembered by a club or or kind of like owned by no one, the, you know, as others have, have done in the past. But the, and I, don't, I don't think Bellerin's leaving, to be frank. I think he fits. Um, I almost said Pep. What what uh what Arteta's trying to do? Uh, <laughs> ooh ooh yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that the got to be careful not to mix those two up. They're very similar. Yeah, the the pacey and 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 um, you know the fullback who's willing to work you know completely up and down the field, get balls into the box uh, between Tierney and Bellerin. Those seem to be you know a good fit. Uh, and given the kind of the fallout with Maitland Niles and Arteta. Mm. You know, I still love Maitland Niles. I think he's got a place in the team, but Arteta might not think so. And if uh, if that's the case, then you're looking at a either a full replacement or slotting in, you know, a center back like or somebody like Callum Chambers, who's who's done the job. But so I, I just don't see Bellerin leaving. I think that bigger questions are to be asked of of Mr. Aubameyang. That is the one that I think would allow Arsenal to not take a step backward through the summer. Uh, if they're able to retain a uh, if they, if, and let's be real, look at the, look at the standings, you know, the table, they're not, they can't really afford to take much of a step backward. So I think that's the biggest news there. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, as much as I'd like to talk about Arsenal, I think there's another club in London with 
some real exciting transfer buzz, uh, and that's Chelsea. Chelsea, they've actually seemed to have already completed some pretty important pieces of business uh, between Zayac, which we just talked about, and though not official, not paper, it seems as though Timo Werner is, is a done deal as well. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like their business is already done, and that is credit to uh, Roman Abramovich getting his checkbook out and getting it out early, almost taking advantage of, I think, I think it's going to be a conservative window all around because of coronavirus and because of how clubs are affected, but when you're a Russian oligarch billionaire, um, you can capitalize on that, and he sure has. Um, yeah. I was going to cover this in, I was going to cover this in Men of Culture, but... Um, you know that you know that Liverpool meme of the kid just crying on the street corner and he's like, "Mum, it's happened again." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one got busted out for Werner because, I, I, I mean, I think if you're Liverpool, the best team in the Premier League, if not the world, you think you have claims on these players, and Werner, I, I guess, pulled a fast one on them and went over to Chelsea. So um, that it seems it seems as though they want somebody who is fourth in the pecking order, but close enough to displace any one of those three, which Werner, he, he, he could play on the wing, he could play through the middle, mm-hmm. um, he'd be good filler and backup, um, just like a more, um, just like a, like a, 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 better, a better version of Origi, like Origi does that job for right. them. And, and I, I think Werner's saying that's, I mean, look what I'm doing in the Bundesliga, I'm, you know, the, that's the not striker me. for Germany. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not happening, mate. I'm going to the club that, uh, you know, yeah, Tammy who? Step aside. Yeah, right, yeah. I, mean, I I think Abraham's got a bright future, and I think they got a, a a lot of really, you know, fun and young young players in the in the front. Uh, but you know, they haven't had a I mean Chelsea haven't had a real I mean, I don't want to say it's been since Drogba, but when's the last time they had like a really I mean Hazard's he wasn't really a striker, but yeah, I'd say like they kind say... of had a revolving door at the at the number nine position and I'd say Diego Costa defined their post-Drogba um, seasons, but he was volatile on the best of days, you know? Right, so, yeah. In so, terms yeah. of someone where, you know, Costa had his, I mean, certainly class, but I feel like he could get under his skin. He wasn't somebody that you needed to worry about absolutely. Morata, yeah. Yeah, a, I mean, Morata had his days. Torres, I remember Torres was much better at Liverpool, but... Yeah, they, and then you know, obviously Giroud, Batshuayi was there. They haven't really had a, a stalwart um, since since Drogba in the front, right. and that's right. Uh, so that, that that's a like you said, it's a it's a good ad. I think they're putting that money to use more than like even if it's a down market for the transfer window this year, they're sitting on. I mean, God knows how much they got for Murata. Didn't they get like sixty million for him? They got all that money from Hazard. Mm-hmm. Even if you're just talking about reinvesting. They're still a net positive if you look back to like the last three, four windows because they didn't spend any money up until just now. Yeah. Pulisic transfer was was quite large. but Yeah, I don't think you could ever, I don't know, really, truly, obviously there were some busts like Torres was big money in January, but I, I never associated Chelsea as a club that, you know, historically bungles it with their with their business and transfer dealings. Um, so, it's yeah. A good, window. I mean, good window so far. And I think that there's more exciting ones too with, United Sancho looks, I don't want to say likely, but of of like a big oh. name transfer, it seems to be on pretty like uncontested ground. You know what I mean? It doesn't seem yeah. like there's a lot of people in the mix. Yeah, I mean we can save a full lecture on on Sancho and United's transfer dealings for another time, but just to keep it brief, um, yeah, I I actually do have a lot of confidence that United can lock up Sancho because that's just been their number one target. It's been no secret for the longest time. 
obviously you get a little nervous when Liverpool's thrown into the mix because they are, you know, the top top rooster at this point. But it seems like he's dedicated or um, hell bent on leaving the Bundesliga, coming to the Premier League, and I don't know. I think United's got as good a shot as any. But yeah, right. Hi- Hivert. Kai Heiverts, he's another like wonder kid from Germany. Yeah, I Did see he him make his way to the Premier. No, or I see, I see him. Move? If Bayern comes calling, if Madrid comes calling, I think that's more that's more his speed. He does seem to be just like a cut above the rest in yeah. terms of potential. Yeah, no, I I just think he's going to be one of those kids who just you know Bayern picks on the lower clubs in, in Germany, and that's where he makes his move. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, hopefully in the Ask Me Anything's we can keep the. Transfer talk going, you know, on the Chelsea side, I think you brought it up really well. I'd be curious to hear what Carl or Miguel think or, or want to know our thoughts on regarding their dealings. And then just bringing it back to Arsenal, uh, shout out Maven for that question. Appreciate that. Yeah, good question. Uh, and then in true spirit of ask us anything, uh, Will Jones decided to take us up on that. And I'd be a liar and a fraud if I didn't ask you this live on air. But his question was, Patrick. You've got one shot to hit a 120-yard par three onto the green off the tee. Five million dollars if you hit it. Five years in prison if you miss. Are you taking that tee shot? I have to hit the green, or I have to get a a par. I just have to hit the green. Yeah, just hit the green. On 120. Yeah, 120 par three. What kind of prison? Uh, the kind where you don't want to drop the soap. Hmm. So maximum security. Oh shit. Honestly, I think I'd take the shot. I think you're, 120 you're is right shot? in my range. I think 120... You, we, you play golf with me. It's in your Q zone? Yeah, like one... Like, like yeah, that's a wedge. Five. That's a nice pitching wedge, yeah. Yeah, that's just... That's a clean, nice, smooth pitching wedge. Uh, you know, I'd want to get a look at the green. I'd want to... If I'm signing something right now, I want to add a, a stipulation in the contract that mm-hmm. I'm on the tee box, I can get out of the contract. Like, if there's... If we got water... Material I'm guaranteed change. to hit it. So... You know, we'll we'll have to see the the hole, but yeah, sight unseen. I'm I'm taking that. Maybe we'll table this. I'll have Will drop a schematic of what the of what the hole looks like, and we can we can revisit this. Um, but I respect you for uh, you know trusting yourself and your instinct. This to me is a hard no because pressure on the golf course to me is like us buddies drinking beer and like you guys are watching me tee off. Like that to me is pressure. When you, ratchet, when you ratchet it up to five years in prison on the line, um, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I might even just take like a little three iron, do a little punch shot if I got an open <laughs> Just punch one. it. Just roll it up there. <laughs> yeah, that'll go great. All right, well, thank you, Will. Uh, we're true to our word. Maybe you'll come back with a soccer question next time. Appreciate you, buddy. Yeah. All right, let's move on. We're debuting a new segment. Uh, it's... Formerly known as Don't Know Much About History, if you guys remember from last episode, we're going to do a little book club here. We've been reading, Patrick and I, a book called Zonal Marking by Michael Wilson, uh, and he's taken us through basically history of tactics and, and, and football um, as they are based around eras of certain countries. So chapter one was about the Dutch system, Zuitball, uh, from 92 to 96, and... Uh, more or less, they defined modern football starting in 92. Um, one, because the Premier League was introduced, the Champions League was introduced, and more so all than others, which I didn't know, was that the back pass rule and that you couldn't just pass back to your goalkeeper and waste time and play out games uh, was only introduced 
in 92. And I thought this happened back in like the 70s. I don't know about you. It seems like a rule that, sh- that, that would have been exploited very quickly. Like, I, I, I agree. I thought it was something that was like af- after 10 years of playing football, they're like, oh, God, yeah, we got to stop doing that. Right. It's, it's something you kind of like suss out very early when you're like, okay, so this football game, like, let's, let's try it out. And then that's one of the things you mark down is we need to change this. Maybe they were just much stricter on the six-second rule for goalkeepers because that doesn't exist in practice at all anymore. Oh, yeah. No, that's not a thing. But, um, yeah, I think this was, <laughs> I think this was the, the epitome of a human's hate change because they introduced the back pass rule and it was met with widespread hatred. You know, just like just because it's change. They were like, right. this ruins the game. This is terrible. And then you play it for like a year and you're like, yeah, that made sense. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't imagine it another way. Like, I mean, we used to play like intramurals or you know pickup or whatever, and the back pass rule was allowed. And I was like, this is just an absolute joke. You can just yeah. pass it back to your keeper; they can yeah. pick it up. I remember my dad showed me a tape of England winning the World Cup in 1966, and it's like the proudest moment for English football. And I remember just watching the black and white tape, being like, "Oh, this sucks. <laughs> 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 this is not fun." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. But uh, yeah, what were what were some interesting takeaways for you on, on that one? Well, I'm going to focus a lot on chapter one of part one. I thought that was the most compelling. Uh, no, no, no. So chapter one, you you're just you're talking about a section. So I did. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure. James said, "Let's read chapter one." Right. And uh, he I hear you leafing. I hear you leafing through it right now. Well, I'm trying to see what the what they call it. Yeah. There's a part one and a chapter one within part one. In any case, I read you, one You read three. to the first break. So let's talk about Cruyff and Van Hall. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't really get the point of this chapter. Um, <laughs> it was like, they were like talking about Dutch philosophy. And then at the end of the chapter, they were like, and it turns out Van Gaal wasn't really Dutch at all. He was actually German. So therefore, this comparison is completely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't really get it. Um, I do well, think that it presented a di- an interesting uh, juxtaposition, though, of um, individualism versus collectiveness. I think, from my perspective, you know, football is a team game, and it is the most uh, the most beautiful when people are operating in unison. You know, uh, I, I think to the the Iniesta Javi Busquets midfield three for Spain and Barcelona mm-hmm. that was just so magical together and obviously the components surrounding them um, but also there's a component there of individualism which uh, you know Cruyff modeled out that allowed those players to express themselves and and I think that when you can when you can marry those two that's when you get something you know pretty fantastic I think that the, you look at Liverpool there's the the structure the team press the way that they move as a team and ping the ball from side to side. Like there's clearly very, very strong structural elements to their setup, but they're also, there's a lot of flair in that. I, you could clearly people are encouraged to do what they want to do. Um, and so I think you have two, two different styles, yeah. Cruyff and Van Hall, Cruyff being yeah. very much an individualistic, let's hype up the individual players and, you can definitely get a lot out of that in Van Hall. Definitely a former player mindset, you can tell. Right. <laughs> yeah. In Van Hall, I mean, it it obviously worked. They both have successful resumes. Um, I think Van Hall, in, in, I think it proved it in his, I don't know if they're mo- his most two recent appointments, but 
just the difference between him at United and him managing the Dutch national team. Mm-hmm. The Dutch national team that he managed right before he went to United finished third at a World Cup. And this was a Dutch national team. They played five in the back. They had, uh, if I remember, it was just like Robin, Van Persie, and Schneider just kind of doing whatever they wanted to do or like had some freedoms up front. They just re- relied on the, the talent of those players. But everybody was working in this five in the back system. And they just tore through the World Cup against, with like kind of a, outside of those three players, I don't know that you can yeah. really name anybody on the team. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think that that's where, and then at United, you need, like he just, he, he couldn't manage that. It's, yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, this whole Cruyff versus, versus Van Hal uh, rivalry made me think a lot about United. First of all, just in how, LVG's a great guy, so I, I from everything I read about him, he just seems like a really lovely human being. With mm-hmm. a little bit of Dutch arrogance in there, and by a little bit, I mean a lot. They, I love how they said when he when he got hired at Ajax, he stood up and shook everyone's hand and said, "Congratulations on hiring the best manager in the world." The yeah, absolute it's, stones. It's great. It's the great. Absolute stones. But but to my point, he's a bit of like the sad cuck of manager, where like wherever he is, people want someone else to be the manager. Like when he was at Ajax, they were all like, "Oh, we miss Croy if he played better football." And I remember when we he he was at United. We all wanted Mourinho to be the guy. Um, so that, that legacy has just kind of followed him around about bringing in his philosophy when people don't really want it. And you make a really good comparison about the Netherlands at the World Cup versus United. And what you touched on there, like Schneider specifically, stands out to me because he's like one of the best number 10s of a generation. And United didn't have a number 10. Um, it was pretty well documented he wanted Maria uh, Di Maria to play number 10. And Di Maria was like, no, I want to play as a winger and that's where that rivalry i mean i guess animosity kind of started and uh you have sort of rooney playing as a number 10 but he's really as like a second striker so we never had that player on which his system revolved around and collectivism you know for all its brilliance can be some boring ass football that's centered around not losing possession and that brought back a lot of bad memories yeah and i think the collectivism too it's it's important to keep perspective of a team's ambitions because I think that somebody that's at the bottom of the table or a newly promoted side, think about a team like, um, you know, Burnley and, or, or, or Brighton, those teams that I think in a very old traditional English sense, just very gritty. Every man is doing a job to try to see out a very specific result. Right. And you, you, do, you do that well enough, you can stay in the Premier League. You're probably never going to win the Premier League. Um, oh, I wish there like, was a chapter just on Burnley, if that's what you're getting yeah, at. Just that, like that binary of an approach. Uh, but also, the problem with that is if you have, you know, any any chink in the armor, you know, you're you're likely working with a squad that doesn't have the capacity, that individualism, to make up for those types of mm-hmm. errors. Uh, where I think. You know, Arsenal is a squad that when I was reading this, I was like, yeah, they have literally no collectivism. There's not a single person on the field that works for the unit, uh, <laughs> at least not not under the Emery era. Uh, right. Arteta's hopefully right. changing that. And then they've relied so much on individual brilliance, but also they've done a lot in the later years, the Wenger era, era catering to those individuals. Uh, the problem with the later part of the Wenger era is he catered to the wrong individuals, where in the early parts of the, the Wenger era, you're 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 catering to you know a Patrick Vieira or you know somebody who's really putting the club first 
and then other people follow like fall in line and yeah. then you have the blend of those two uh but when you have your leaders who aren't true leaders or care more about other things than the team it really really starts to fall apart so i right. think it's just it's a it's there's no unique for like if you're just looking at these two things I don't know if there's a, a winner. I do think collectivism. You can't smash. You can't smash the uh, all in button on either because they documented how it fell apart for both of right. them. Right. Um, yeah. No. Right. I think that's yeah. A good point. Yeah. I mean, I think short term success if you're going to be that binary in anything, because mm-hmm. like, like, other other teams, other other coaches, they're going to adapt around. Like if if something you're doing is working. They're going to figure out eventually what that is if you're not innovating. Right. So if you're so, so particular on certain things, you know, they said something like Stoichkov got like 10 red cards under Cruyff. It's oh, insane. Yeah. He was oh, a yeah. center forward. Yeah, something like Seems that. Seems like you just like rile the dude up and then you get him off the field. And <laughs> it's crazy. 10 red cards. <laughs> I mean, he, he really set the tone for modern day shithead strikers such as a Diego Costa. I was going to say Diego Costa. I, I bet you Diego Costa isn't yeah. even sniffing those red cards. I know. Yeah, he's got a lot to catch up on. Well, Stoikov's partner, I wanted to have an honorable mention to my boy Romario, who was guy's insane. basically the Dennis Rodman of football. Seemed uh, like it. Where he, I guess he like partied for months after the 94 World Cup. And uh, I think it was the 94 World Cup. And uh, came back to Barcelona and I guess like two of the wiser old heads um, along with Cruyff, like called him into a meeting just to like say like, hey, like the way you're acting isn't cutting it. And Romario just reverted to childhood tactics of like, oh well, I beat your team in the World Cup and I beat your team in the World Cup, so like, what the fuck are you trying to tell me? And just storms <laughs> out. <laughs> but I think the goat line from the entire chapter was when they said he rented out two hotel suites in Amsterdam permanently. And his philosophy was to have sex once a day, but never more than three times. It's just sensible. Which I think warrants... I just need a bit of an explanation there. (laughs) I mean, what do you do with that? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, that's my philosophy too, am I right? (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't even say that with a straight face. Yeah, it's just... I mean, there's there's surely players like that, that that fit that mold... Uh, mold today. I mean, I think Ibrahimovic, he was even talked about in that chapter. Yeah, under yeah, yeah, totally. Ben Holland, Ajax is is probably the the closest to that version of a of a of a star. Balotelli, I think, fits that type of a a mold. Tends to be forwards that I'm thinking of it. Um, mm, yeah, mostly. Yeah, you yeah, don't you don't really get like of... a rock star playboy center back. It's just not no. really not really. Yeah, they, I don't think you can cut. be a good. I mean, David Luiz is probably the closest you get, but he's right. more of like a happy-go-lucky than than anything else. Yeah. We'll get to David Luiz, by the way. <laughs> he does come back. Um, oh, please. But yeah, no, loved it. Um, I don't know if you had any other closing thoughts before we move along. No, no, it's, it's a good read. I will say that um, Michael Wilson did not write this book. It was Michael Cox, if anyone's trying to look it up. But we will uh, be catching up with part two next week good catch michael cox zonal marking chapter two which patrick's going to read in its entirety is uh the calcio italian football era from 96 to 2000 so stay tuned for that all right hmm, that'll be fun let's move on to some fun shit enough of the uh postulating you're done now patrick this is what coming up? off a barn burner of an introduction to the segment last week where we went in with, what was it, team of the season? 
Yeah, team of the season predictions are okay. So defensible g- points. General premise for some newbies is I pose something to Patrick. Patrick poses a statement, a declarative statement to me, and we have ten seconds to prove it out. No questions asked. Not an argument. You just got to prove it out. And in ten seconds, our boy Big Shack, like you're about to hear right here, you're done, no. cuts in, says you're done, and you got to move on to the next thing. So this week, what are we talking? Talking keepers, right? We're talking yeah, keepers. This is a pretty contentious point for us over the podcast history. I don't think that we'd agree on on much when it comes to keepers. No, we never give keepers their due, much like football fans in general. Mm. So uh, here's their moment. We're going to do head-to-head comparison of X is better than Y in the Premier League. And uh, Patrick, just because I'm a gentleman, I'll let you kick this one off. All right, this one... We're going English edition. Nick Pope is better than Jordan Pickford. <laughs> I have a... Re- okay, I guess my clock started. Yeah, Nick Pope, he's young. He's got more to prove. And I think when you have the bit between your teeth, it proves out better than Pickford. That might be a quick math, James. Yeah, we'll I see. realized I-, I wanted to like preface something, but the clock had already started. So... I had to adjust in real time. But what I wanted to say was I have like a mirror opposite for you because I know <laughs> that was where we were going to go here. So here's <laughs> mine for you. Uh, Jordan Pickford is better than Ben Foster. I mean, look, one of the guys is over the hill, and that name is Ben Foster. Jordan Pickford has that classic English grit. He was stellar in the World Cup. England won. Bang. Ben Imposter. A little Freudian slip there. You just got to go. You just got to go. Yeah, there's no uh, there's no uh delaying. So you did you do 2 or 3? I did 3. So we can Okay. We can And they're getting spicier as they go. Um yeah, sure. Okay, mine are. Okay. By several Schofield units. <laughs> um my second one My second one here is uh Manchester United edition. Dean uh-huh. Henderson is better mm-hmm. than David De Gea. Yeah, honestly, I think you come to become comfortable with the tried and true. That's De Gea. But Henderson, it's his time. He's ready. He's going to take the throne. All right. I don't know what's 10 seconds and what's five minutes and what's two seconds. I am all over the place. You didn't really make a point either, um, but I appreciate (laughs) the effort there. I'm rattled. All right. Why don't you do do your third one? Do them. Do them in a row. I, I want to redeem myself. Okay. This one's insane. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, ben Foster is better than Ederson. Yeah, it's not even a question. When you talk about reliability, Foster's been there for a long time. Ederson, did you see his last game about United? Is that mm. who you want in the sticks? No. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I, it's because I told myself, no matter what comes out of your mouth, I believe it. It's you have to lean into it. Yeah. Um, there's no the more, there's no time to even absorb. Think, yeah, the yeah, rational it's, side it's, of your brain. You got to get the rational side in there a little bit. Okay. Um, but you you did on that one. You did. You you you, you mentioned some actual facts about Ederson's <laughs> last game. Uh, would Howlers you, would beware. you say they were quick facts? I don't, uh, it's close because I, I could tell you're trying for ten seconds, and I appreciate. Yeah, that. Yeah, I am not policing myself. I'm just going. There were no. Instinct. Quick maths awarded in the first version of You Done Now. Well, I had one, but you cut it out. We'll pick that bone later. It was my Firmino. Was, Firmino is a number nine and a ten, and that makes him a 19, but the fans didn't hear it. 
and that right, was because it quite was literally ten seconds. Sometimes I think you need to have some creative liberty to introduce quick maths. Anyway, mm, all, right, well, all right. There's a certain threshold of, of two sides of the legitimacy. Story there. Two need. sides yeah. to the story there. Okay, here's one Continue. for you. I will preface this by saying it's more a superlative than a head-to-head. So that's all I'll give you mm. here. Uh, Ederson is the best goalkeeper in the league. Look, the modern goalkeeper needs to be able to do more than keep the ball out of the net. They need to be one of 11 players on the field, and there is nobody that assimilates into the 11 better. You're done, no. That was a 10-second sentence. <laughs> That's about all I'll say about that. I mean, I think I did it. Yeah, no, no, you made the argument about him playing with his feet, which never lets him down. It's the only argument you can make for Ederson. <laughs> Tattoos. Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah, most Last likely one. to be in the freak of the week. Yeah. Go ahead. Next. Last final one. one. Chelsea edition. Willie Caballero is better than Keppa. Uh, yeah. He's played for his national team. That's it. Get I'm not even sure that's true. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Keppa's played Keppa has played for his team. national team. <laughs> just a just a fallacy. I earned my quick maths, though. I mean, do you remember, uh, this is for the OG podcast fans, you remember Meatball Watch on the Argentina national, on the Argentina national team, the, the coach? Of course he's picking Caballero. Meatball Watch. This is the same guy that started, like, half of LA Galaxy ahead of Sergio Aguero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's collectivism. He, yeah. he read the book. All right. One of the best, best finishers of this era and one of the best creative playmakers of this era. No, still skim 10 minutes a game. <laughs> He'll come on to change the game when it needs to be changed. So ridiculous. Well, that was you done now. All right. Now bad one. we got a new one. A little bit. Leave it. It's a little bit. Leave it. Also leaning into our British roots. Patrick, you want roots. to talk us, remind us what this is? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Leave it. It's a little bit. Leave it is a segment where we're going to check on this one every so often. Uh, basically, when these takes come to fruition, they're obviously coming to fruition, or the inverse happens, and we have to own up to our, our mistakes. But Little Bit Leave It is it's a, little bit, leave it. It's a segment where we talk about things that we think are going to happen a little further down the line. Then we leave it, come back, and we see how we did. Uh, but it's meant to be a little bit more of an ongoing segment to hold us accountable. Uh, maybe we'll even keep a track record for our, um, our wins and mm-hmm. losses in this segment, mm-hmm. but um, we're actually going to document just, it this time. It's yeah, part of staying just, true to the segment. Yeah. I kind of have my, all of my little bit leave it's or it's a little bit leave it. Uh, I got three of them and they're basically just for things that are going to happen at the end of the season. I don't know what yours are. <laughs> oh, my, I felt like that, that oh. made sense. Like, like yours are all like mortal locks. Is that what you're saying? Like they're gonna happen, or did I misinterpret that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm making three definitive statements, but those three definitive statements won't be settled until the end of match week 38. Oh, so it's basically null and void of the segment, where we can't really check in on it at all. Well, you'll see. We can check in on. It. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, mine are all spicy in their own right because I wanted to. I think mine are spicy too. All right, little, great. Yeah, no yeah. one. Yeah, this is this, not easy takes, but this they're isn't also for the faint of heart. Crazy. Okay, do you want to do? How do we want to do this? Like one and one, or all yours, all mine? Why don't you give me all three of yours, and then I'll I'll right. uh, I'll give you my three. Here's what I got. Here are my three takes that we will check in intermittently on until the season ends. Number one, Sheffield United 
will finish in the bottom half of the table. And I say that, I mean, it's it's well-documented, Patrick. It's well-documented that we looked up the odds for them to get relegated. Let's not forget that. We have to be true historians. But what I will say is they're sitting in seventh place. Arsenal and Spurs below them, who you have to think are going to finish stronger than eighth and ninth. And then in tenth place, um, I think Everton can make a push. And I don't think it's absurd to think Sheffield United, who are odds-on favorite to get relegated, are going to have a little bit of a struggle getting back to where they were before. That's All number, right, that's we'll number check one. in on it. That's number one. Number two. Oh yeah, this is also it's not the place for debate because we're just we're just leaving it. Okay, so right now it's a it's a leave it. Oh, I clearly have my thoughts, but I'm gonna I'm gonna respect this. This segment is about respect, respect of opinions, and then later when those opinions were wrong, disrespecting those opinions. Love it. Okay, number two, David Moyes will get sacked by the end of this season. They're, wow, they're just, that's a fun one. I told you they're spicy. They're just that's above a fun the one. They're just above the drop zone. Karen Brady has been lobbying her ass off to kill relegation. She's clearly scared. She's irrational. I think she's going to get together with Mr. Gould. And, uh, you know, all I got to say is West Ham's playing Wolves at home to kick things off. That is by no means a guaranteed result. I think things are going to get a little sweaty bum if they don't get a result there. And uh, David Moyes will be on the hot seat. Maybe they think there's a quick fix there. Let's check in on that one later. Finally. Casper Schmeichel will finish the season with the most clean sheets and win the Golden Glove. He has 10 to Nick Pope's 11. Allison and Dean Henderson are also on 10. Uh, so I say Schmeichel because I think Liverpool is just going to kind of go on vacation when they win the mm. title. And I think Henderson will go as Sheffield goes. And uh, I think Schmeichel's going to finish strong. So those are my three takes, Patrick. All right. Looking forward to it. I have some kind of similar takes. Like yours aren't. Yours are basically end of season. They're takes. similar, but mine are about La Liga. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys heard of the Dutch league? I've been reading about it a ton. There's this club Ajax. Uh, I think they're going to win the title next year. I read the um, first chapter on it. <laughs> I'm reading the first part of each part each week. Um, okay, so my three. First one, and this one actually makes me sad, uh, Burnmouth is getting relegated. They are currently in the relegation zone, yes, but it is a hotly contested relegation zone. Just three points on goal differential separating them from West Ham, uh, one on goal differential from Watford, uh, all even on 27 points. That represents 16 through 18. Two points clear of Villa with a game in hand, and six points clear of Norwich, who I think are absolutely getting relegated. Uh, but Burnmouth... Unfortunately, I think are are getting the stanky boot this season. My second take here is that Leicester City uh, is going to finish second. They are four points off City. City has a game in hand, but I do think <laughs> I just don't know what City's playing for. I really don't. They don't have Champions League next year. De Bruyne is eating every mini muffin he could find. There's nothing left to play for at the Etihad, especially after Liverpool win the title. I think they're going to show up for a few games, mm -hmm. but I think that, that, that Liverpool and City will both drop points. And I think Leicester has a, will, will, will capitalize on that because I think they have a hunger. City doesn't. To keep, this, final one, to keep this respectful, I will say 
I was I was gonna say something else, but I will say that marries itself nicely with my Schmeichel take. Oh, it does. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one probably doesn't marry itself well with any take that you'd have. Um, Danny Ings is gonna win the Golden Boot. <laughs> he is on 15 goals. There is there are four people ahead of him. Uh, most notably Vardy on 19. Mm-hmm. Four goals ahead. Four goals ahead. Okay. Uh, but I think I think Danny Ings, I think he's just going to cut. I think that what's going to happen is when we come back, it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be messy. I think Danny Ings is very opportunistic. And aren't you saying, but Patrick, Aubameyang's ahead of him. Vardy's ahead of him. They're both very opportunistic. Not Danny Ings. Danny Ings has desperation in him. He can see the golden boot. He is plus 2,200 to win the golden boot right now, which is an absolute steal for odds. But this isn't the Jenner district. Not going to talk about that yet. But Southampton, they have a bit to play for. They're on 34 points. They're seven points clear of the relegation zone. But, I mean, a couple losses, they're going to need to push for it. So I think that he'll, he'll be mighty motivated. And also, if you look at the fixture list, Southampton doesn't have a whole lot of world beaters in front of them. Um, I think that they can really rack up some points. All right. Well, that's fun. I feel like you you did it correctly. I feel like you undersold yourself with that like weird, it's not going to pan out until the final day thing. Well, basically, like, yeah, I mean. I thought you were going to say, if, like, uh, like Coutinho's going to come back to Liverpool. And it's like, well, we're not going to be able to check in on that for a while. Yeah, and no end date. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you blew it in that sense, but no, those were all good. Those were all good. You followed instructions to your own segment. <laughs> it's. I mean, considering I don't even know what the segment is until after I've, I've named it. Yeah, yeah, the name in the Crowley method. If you have yeah, a name, you've got a segment. All right, speaking of names and segments, we're going with three tried and true to round this out. Uh, Freak of the Week. Men of Culture, and then the return of Degenerate District, hashtag stonks. Freak of the Week, Patrick. Uh, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Beauty before age. Um, so, as you might know from quarantine, home exercise courses have been the order of the day. Um, Rashford was walking kids through some simple pee stretches and whatnot. Uh, Sergio Aguero was te- was teaching um, some kids Spanish and how to count in Spanish from his backyard, posting it up on their respective YouTube pages. Um, another guy who's my freak of the week who's also been putting stuff up on YouTube is David Luiz. And he's started his own, I think he's a recurring freak. He started his own YouTube workout vlog and it's called The Geezer. <laughs> and it's David Luiz doing workouts as as you would describe of a like middle schooler who got let into the YMCA and is just like wreaking havoc like he it's not your traditional workout he's doing like taekwondo on the like fake guy uh he's doing like you know the inflatable ball that you do like pilates on or yoga or whatever i just see little supercuts of him like bouncing up and down on it um he he's the same guy in the gym as he is out on the field and um, the geezer is in Brazilian or sorry, Portuguese. So I couldn't follow it too well, but if you want an erratic workout, just check out our freak of the week, David Luiz's blog. I, I'm just looking it up. It looks amazing. <laughs> he's got guests. He's doing, <laughs> Oh, Jacques is on it. Yeah, it's great. Oh man. 
Arsenal's screwed. <laughs> the geezer. Oh, man. He is a proper geezer, though. Got to give him that. Self-titled. All right. Uh, my Freak of the Week it was actually not intentional. I had this uh, before I read the book, but um, it is actually... James, I'm going to need you to help me with the pronunciation here. Mm-hmm. He's a former United player. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's Andon Janazaj. Adnan Yanazai. Okay, that's actually pretty good for me. Yeah. Um, I knew Adnan who you were Genazai? saying. Yeah. Anyan Genesai. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, you're getting further away from it. Continue. Okay. Well, anyway, um, so Van Gaal criticized him um, just seemingly just because. Like, I think Van Gaal just does these things from time to time. Uh, and this was, this was something I found on Reddit. Shout out user Lonzo Doncic for posting this. Um, this is what he had to say about Van Hall after um, Van Hall criticized him. I shouldn't have to descend my, defend myself against him. The stats speak for themselves. Every time I made the difference with a goal or assist, I got benched the next game. Here's where the kicker is. His stats under Van Gaal, 28 games, one goal, zero assists. <laughs> I did not check to see if he was benched after the one game he scored in. Um, to validate his point. Um, but this guy is delusional. I don't know if you have anything to add about this guy as a United fan. I kind of remember him being like a one of the, one of the um, you know, every year there's like 25, like, oh, this could be the next Wonder Kids. I kind of remember him yeah, being so, one of those like early on in his career. So Yanazai, he broke out, um, he broke out under David Moyes in that terrible, terrible post-Ferguson season. And that was right. like one of the few bright spots, uh, bright spots in that entire season. Van Hal mm. comes in, he uh, he made some really weird decisions. Like he shipped out players who still had mileage, like Hernandez and Nani. Um, and Yanazai was one. I think I think what he's referring to is he scored in the Premier League against Villa at the beginning of the season, and then maybe got benched the next game. So it sounds like he used a like a like sweeping statement in like one specific instance. Cause I don't really remember him playing at all after that. And that's what the statistics would speak to. Mm. But in Yanada, in Yanazai's defense, like probably not a United player, but he's no slouch. I mean, he's still playing in La Liga, I think for Sociedad and he scored against England in the 2018 world cup. So he's, yeah, I mean, he's only like 25 or something like that, Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he's, but that is hilarious. He's not getting him to the, uh, the Belgian national team. That team's dirty. Right. Well, he scored in the World Cup for them, but that was when they like fielded B teams. Mm. Oh, man. So that was like a few runs ago then. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's funny, though. I like that. All right. Uh, men of Culture. I just got one, and I want to rename this like a, a new segment, new sub-segment called Speak Your Truth, King. And this is uh, Wesley Snyder, who came up earlier in the pod. And I want him to speak his truth because he has this quote that I just respect to the utmost of integrity levels. He said in a retirement interview, I could have been as good as Ronaldo or Messi. I just didn't feel like it. I guess fair play to him. Which I think is the ultimate, like, a lot of people say, like, I didn't work as hard or like I didn't put the time in, but I think I could have been as good. He's just saying I didn't feel like it. And uh, I think that applies to me. I could have been a professional footballer. I just didn't feel like it. I, I agree with that sentiment, actually. I do believe that if I had the right um, you know, work ethic and disposition, 
as a young man that I could have I could have become a professional. I, I believe that in my heart, and I will always believe that. I know. I know this to be true. So I think there's a little bit of Wesley Schneider in all of us in this statement. I agree. I think it's a it's it might not be um, you know Aristotle or Socrates, but that quote's going to yeah. be fondly remembered. Yeah, I should have prepared for this meeting. I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Patrick. I don't know if that one's going over as well. Yeah, no, not as well. It's a it's a cruel world out there. Why don't you bring us home, Degenerate District, and Stones? Mmm. What a return. What a return this is, James, and it's a it's a good one because uh, I was doing some midday horse betting last week. Um, did not just go checking well. out the ponies, <laughs> <laughs> just just seeing what's going on at Belmont, trying to get loose, and no, it didn't work out well for me. Uh uh-uh. uh. Um, but what I really decided to do this week um, is really kind of take some more time with this. This is in advance of our eventual blog where I'm going to give you a full full one page every match week on gambling advice. I really try to break down each one of these takes, uh, but I'm going to hop right into it. My lock of the week is the over two and a half goals uh, for Norwich versus Southampton. That is, those are two clubs that give up a shitload of goals. Uh, Pookie has 11 goals on the season. Ings has 15. Mm -hmm. Two top goal scorers. First game back. I think it's going to be sloppy, and I think that both of these teams are going to take advantage of the other team's defense. Uh, that is at minus one fifteen mm-hmm. over two and a half goals. So expecting more than more than uh, two goals, at least three in this game. Yeah, I guess the only material change you got to be careful for there is uh, maybe Pookie's the coronavirus guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, well see. In that case, Norris will just throw numbers forward, and Southampton will bang three. Right. Well, I I also do respect you choosing a lock finally that is a minus something. So you're you're kind of grounding yourself. But it's still almost even odds. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not the type that's gonna lock Liverpool to win the league. You know, it's just not what the degenerate district's all about. Like if you want to do it, mm-hmm. it's like you don't need my advice. Like if you want to bet Liverpool to win the league right now, mm-hmm. you don't need anybody's advice to do that. Okay, just do it if you want to do it. It's so, not entertaining. So in the that's sp- why we don't talk about it. Fair, fair. So in the spirit of stonks, if we were to put some of Ben Reed's money on this, how much would one put on said game? I'd put like 10 bucks on it. All right. Let me just make a note of that, theoretically. Though you're going to be want to be careful if you're using Bavada because their, their line is a little weird right now. Mm. It, it splits the bet between over two and a half and over three, which is a weird... I've never seen that before. So basically, they're saying like, if you bet 10 bucks on it, they'll put five bucks on over two and a half, five bucks on over three. So you want to go into like the specials bet and get a specific over under. It's the same odds. Um, Good but shout. three would give you a push. Good shout. Okay. So why would you split that? Um, in any case, my specimeta ball <laughs> this week is Villa plus four fifty to win at Chelsea or win versus Chelsea. They're home. Um, logic behind this one: mostly it's just the first game back, and Chelsea have some questionable losses. They don't have a particularly like veteran team. Uh, Villa is playing for their lives. It'll be and their second the- game back for Villa. First game back for Chelsea. Oh, true. Mm. It's an even better shout. Mm. And so they get a little bit under their under their belt. And so it was a 2-1 game at Stamford Bridge in favor of Chelsea. Was a fairly lopsided Chelsea win, which is why you got to put this in the spice of mid to ball category. But any any team fighting for relegation is a threat to every team in the league. I don't it, there's just something about it. It's like when a like a mother lifts a car to get her child out from underneath it. Like if mm-hmm. somebody's backs against the wall, mm-hmm. some of them fold. 
but I don't think that's in Villa. Not that not this early. Mm-hmm. Um, my crock of the week, James. Oh, what are the odds on that? Plus four fifty. All right. I have already taken all of these bets, as well as Danny Inks to win Golden Boot. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised how you knew exactly what the odds were on that. Alarm yeah, bells were I, ringing. I mean, I got a couple, couple other people winning the Golden Boot, uh, but it's just so spicy. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's, it's just, it's just a, it's if you look at the people who contribute the number of goals that he contributes to his team, and you look at their respective odds to win the Golden Boot, it is a value bet. Okay. On to another value bet, my croc of the week. James, I'm getting back to, I think, what the croc was meant to be. I did a lot of reflection, and my crocs were like, my crocs were basically my spicimento balls. And my you would hit ball, more crocs than locks, I think, at a certain point, which said Yeah, I was a lot. getting pretty good with the croc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was, getting, I was getting, like, Newcastle. I think I, I crocked, like, Newcastle to win Chelsea. Like, that was, that's a good, decent croc. But again... That's in the realm of possibilities. I mean, this one is. Don't don't listen to that. <laughs> what a <laughs> this, this one's never going to happen. No, this one's just it's just a crazy bet. It's just not a bet that I would recommend you taking, but I love the odds and the logic here. I am betting at plus 2200 Rashford to score in a 1-0 win in United versus Tottenham. I could see it being a very cagey game. Both teams have pretty good defenses and I could see both teams, because of their position in the table, not wanting to make mistakes coming right out of this. Rashford takes the pens. I think each team could be just equally likely just to, scra- to, to grab one. And it's between, in my eyes, Rashford and Martial to be most likely on the United side. So why not send it? I, yeah. I, I, I will point out that you're calling exactly what happened last season to happen again. That is true. <laughs> that is true. Did he score a pen? Does that change anything? No, it wasn't a pen. Okay. No, this maybe was the famous. This was the famous. We're not going to lose game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe it will happen again. But I saw. Truthfully, this is fueled by. Um, I think Spurs are going to pack it in a little bit, and I don't think that they're going to really bust free on mm-hmm. United's back line, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I saw a clip on Instagram of Rashford doing a pretty filthy move behind closed doors. And I was like, all right, that guy's in form. Let's give it a go. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say this. You're on watch. So if you, recall, on watch. I, I, if you recall, I have the ability as the co-owner of this fund to keep you in check and make sure Ben's, ben, Ben's money is looked after. Uh, this is a The warning. district and stonks are unrelated. Mm, beg to differ. These are these these are your recommendations, no? I am in charge of the district. What you do with stonks is your own. I'm advising you to think about the decisions that you're making. I'm gonna let this one go through, and then just know that you're on watch going into next week. We'll Which you're taking the croc. I'm gonna take it. I'm taking everything you're saying. Okay, I mean, just know that if I hit the croc, first of all, the croc that we hit early on. Covered us for like 30 crocs. We hit like a plus 3,000. Yeah, it was a croc fest. Hey, hey, I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm here to talk about post-coronavirus future. So okay. I just want tight belt. Tight You're belt like the after. pundits. You're like the pundits who look at Ollie's record and only talk about when he became a permanent manager and ignore his impressive win streak before then. You're using well, the I, coronavirus 
as a as a barrier to my illustrious well, gambling yet. record. Yeah, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> I mean, let's not go back to the ponies. So okay, in yeah. in my locks, I think my locks were pretty solid this year. Yeah, I'll Overall. chime in. I'll I'll chime in when I feel differently. So you're I'm on watch. Point. I'm taking the bets, and we'll touch base next week. I just don't like yeah. being put on watch. I know. It's like you don't believe in me. That's my tactic. All right. Fair enough. It's, it's my man management. Yeah, I'm coming off the bench too, I suppose. Yeah, you are. Everyone's cold. And this is it, guys. It's time to get warm because the Premier League is kicking off manana tomorrow. We are going to roll right into festivities with Aston Villa home to Sheffield United and then City against Patrick's beloved Arsenal. And then we go right into a weekend of amazing games. We will see you next Tuesday. Patrick, anything to sign off with? No, I've said enough. Quite right. Quite right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. We're so happy to be back. And we will catch you, like I said, on next Tuesday's episode of Prem Villa Prem. What's up, Prem heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem de la Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem de la Prem podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.